Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Thank you, Emma. How's everybody doing today? Doing okay? Good. It's good to see everybody. Um, I have a need to have this thing centered on the stage. So does Nate. And uh, the past couple of weeks, they've been like setting it. Somebody's been bringing it up. They've been setting it. And then I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel center. And then I move it over here. And then I happened to watch the recording of our video of our last service, and they set it up here for a reason. There's a camera for the rest of the people that are tuning in. And I'm just like, oh, uh, it feels more comfortable over here. And then they just look at the side of my face the whole time. So um, for those tuning in online, we do value you, even though I never look at you. Um, I have a preference for the people that show up to church. They're the real Christians. But uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's a number of people tuning in online, whether it's health challenges they're facing or um, you know, a day like today with weather, and so we just want to welcome you, and uh, welcome to everybody else that's also in the room. It's good to see you. It is, uh, it's a beautiful day outside. Yeah, it is. There we go. <laughs> Did you turn off the fans? Somebody turn off the fans? Somebody turned off the fans, and it felt like the stage was about to take off, but now I'm feeling better. Hey, today we are um, starting a new series called This is Church, and I'm, I'm really thrilled for it, really excited about it, love talking about the church, love talking about all things church. Um, surprise, surprise by a guy that decided to basically make his whole life about church. Um, but this series is going to be a good opportunity for all of us to evaluate whether or not we have the same priority of church in our lives, whether or not we carry the same fervent spirit about what God's up to and what he's trying to do through his body and and uh, so I'm really excited to talk about that. Next week, just checking the date, yes. Next week, we actually have my pastor coming to speak, which is really exciting. I don't know if he's ever spoken at Slate Church. And so it's going to be a really good week. Make sure you're here. His name's Jeremy Albrecht, and he was my youth pastor as a kid. He still is my pastor. I call him anytime I have spiritual needs, or we're regularly in conversation. But he is like, um, he's a really good guy, and uh, I would really like for all of you to meet him. So make sure you prioritize being here next Sunday, as you do every week. But um, today, we're going to talk about, um, like, I didn't even come up with a title um, of this message, so you don't have to take anything down. I'm not usually giving you a title. But if you needed a, a bit of an idea of where we're headed this morning, we're going to be talking about the body of Christ and why it matters. Of course, this series is called This is Church. But we're actually talking about the body of Christ and what, what, what is that, what does it mean, and why does it matter. And I guarantee you, by the end of this um, time together, if you are um, willing to receive, I do believe that you're going to find something valuable in, uh, in, this, in this message today. So rather than starting with reading scripture, why don't we start with prayer? God, thank you so much that we get to come here today. God, I thank you that you are ultimately... Um, uh, I mean, you're in, you're in control in this room, you're in charge, and, and God, that you care for us. Jesus, I pray that as we come into this space today, and we look to learn from you, and we look to also just understand our place in your world, God, I pray that you would speak to us through the power of your spirit. We just thank you for what you're doing in our church, and what you're doing in each and every life in this room. God, we welcome you here into this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Each and every one of us has a, a deep need to, a, a deep feeling and a deep need for belonging in our lives. And this is an interesting, um, an interesting way to start a, a message because in many ways, if I just tell you, you have a deep need for belonging, you'll probably think like, I, I, I don't know, like, it sounds nice. It, it sounds like you read that somewhere, but like, I don't, I don't know if that's what I'm feeling this morning. Like, most of us probably woke up this morning, like myself right now, what I'm thinking about is the fact that I didn't eat this morning. And I'm like, well, actually, I have a deep need right now to like put something in my body, like just to eat something, to not feel hungry. Like, that's my need. Or maybe for some of us, we're like, I have a deep need right now with the weather, the way it looks, to just move somewhere warmer. And so, like, if I was to touch on those kind of needs, like hunger and materialism and these sorts of things, many more of us would be like, yes, amen, I know exactly what you mean. If I said right now, most of us have a deep need for more money in our lives, you'd be like, absolutely. Does anybody not have a need for more money in their life? Like, there is some dream ahead of you that if you just had a bit more money, even if you have a ton of money, you're like, oh, I could do this if I had even more money. And the reality is, is that when it comes to belonging, the reason why we all have this need for it is because it's deep and it's innate within each and every one of us. Um, one of the paradigms that I'll often draw upon is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Has anybody ever studied like base psychology? Maslow's hierarchy of needs is that triangle, and it tells us what we have our needs that are, that are first, second, third, all the way up to the top. And uh, for, for those of us in the room, like the, the needs that if I was to shout out like money, um, relationship, sex, those sorts of things, all of us would agree on those things because that's like the first tier that Maslow said that we all have as, as, as humans. All of us have these base desires and needs. And, and so all of us in the room would be like, yeah, we, we absolutely have those needs. When we talk about belonging, it's on this level of acceptance. And belonging and acceptance is not on the, the lower side of our needs. It's actually higher up this like this pyramid or this, this hierarchy of needs, this, this triangle that, that we look at, this visual. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs, when it talks about belonging, is this idea that every one of us has a need to affiliate and to be accepted by a group of people. Like, no matter how narcissistic you are, you will still try to find yourself in the midst of a group of people, even if it just means that they're looking to you. Because a narcissist even has the ability or the need to have people around them look to them and to surround them. Like, like we are, by essence, a people that, that need relationship and need to be accepted by one another. So this is why we join a whole bunch of different things. This is why we'll find rotary clubs all over the place or lions clubs. This is why we have sports teams that we go and we support and we buy their sweaters and we put them on and we cheer with one another because it allows us to feel like we are part of something bigger than ourselves. It's why when social needs and, and, and social issues hit the news, it's why so many of us are quick to post on Instagram even before we've thought a level deeper than what everybody else around us is doing because we want to feel a part of what's happening. It's this base desire of belonging, affiliating with something, and being accepted. We have this base desire. I remember in grade seven, uh, one of these, uh, one of this, this need of, and sorry, but this screen is just like, once again, just doing crazy stuff, and it's really distracting me. If we could just like pull the plug, or I'll just keep an eye on time on my watch. Um, in grade seven, uh, I came uh, to head with this, this need of belonging in my own life. And, uh, yeah, that's better. As, as long as it doesn't, like, keep doing, like, the, now it just says no signal. And uh, press input on your remote control, then select the device you want to view. Make sure the device is turned off. I just needed to read that for myself so I knew what it said so that I could continue on in the rest of the message. 
That's how my brain works. Grade seven, I came up uh, against this, this need to belong. And it's such little things in our lives. Like we could look back and for some of us, it was a rejection of a friend group or maybe for some of us, it's the rejection of literally uh, being rejected from a family or these sorts of things. In grade seven for me, these things were um, much more base in my life. They weren't, uh, they, they, they didn't seep down too low. But I remember there was this like little club that formed in my grade seven class, uh, which was the Finding Nemo Club. And basically, <laughs> does anybody not watch Finding Nemo? All right, you're all in the club. Uh, basically, what this club was, was set up to do was to keep the cool kids in and the uncool kids out. And I remember they'd have these little meetings on the schoolyard, and they'd be like, hey, it's the Finding Nemo Club. And I'd be like, oh, it's so badly. I want to be a part of this club. And the first rule was you had to watch the movie Finding Nemo. And I was like, my mom's a, like a stay-at-home daycare provider. Like, I've watched this thing like 10 times. Like, the next thing you need to know is you need to know some Finding Nemo trivia. So, like... Um, like ask you questions and whatever else and they had these like high bars of like being accepted by their club and I was like man I belong in this club and the great thing was I'm like if I get into this club I get to hang out with all the cool kids so I come up to the club at recess and I'm like yo I want to be a part of the Finding Nemo club this sounds a little bit like the the the, the turtle club from Masters of Disguise and we watch that movie anyway and so I walk up and I'm like yo I want to be a part of your Finding Nemo club They're like have you watched Finding Nemo I'm like have I watched Finding Nemo Ten times. So like, whoa, this guy's a real deal. They're like, we have some questions for you. And like, what was the little turtle's name? And I was like, I think it was Squirt. I don't know. And I'm like, answer it. I'm getting nods. Like, you guys are really invested. <laughs> don't worry for those of you that are worried. You would have been invited into the club as well. Don't worry. Anyways, I answer all the questions. And by the end of it, they're like, yeah, you just don't, like, like I got them all right. Like, you just kind of don't fit the Finding Nemo Club. Little grade seven, Brandon was like just demoralized. I'm like, well, I guess I'll do something else, like run, you know? Because anybody that's not accepted in high school or junior high just joins cross country. And so that's what I did. I just needed to be accepted somewhere. This need for belonging, like, I mean, we have childhood experiences of this. We have adulthood experiences of this. This is like, this is one of our base desires to feel like we are a part of something. Thus enters the church. What is the church? Church is a word, um, is derived from a German word, which I'm not going to try to say right here because we have a lot of German-speaking people in the room, and I just don't want to be offensive. Uh, it's derived from a German word, which literally means belonging to, belonging to the Lord. Uh, ecclesia would be, the, would be the, um, the Greek word that was adopted to describe the early church. We have to remember that at one point the church it was not called the church. The church at one point um, was not called Christians. Like there weren't a bunch of Christians that went to church. In fact, the word Christian would come later on. It was a, a term given in the midst of persecution to identify and label people that were followers of the way. And so some of the early words that started to get, get adopted by the early church was this word ecclesia. Now there's two different words to describe a gathering um, in, ancient Near, in the ancient Near East. And one of those terms that was used was, um, was to describe a synagogue. And so synagogue was used to, get, to, to um, refer to a group of people that were gathering together for a specific 
specific cause. And the other word that we, was used was ecclesia. And so you can see how the early church didn't want to be confused with the Jewish people. And so they didn't ad- adopt the idea of synagogue for their gatherings, but they adopted this term, ecclesia. And so when we talk about the church, unfortunately, in the year 2023, for a lot of us, church means going to something once a week, and that's the gathering. That's just who we're part of, and, 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 and that's what we identify when we think church. If we were to ask somebody on the street, hey, hey, um, what, what, what does the church mean to you? They'll say, well, people that gather together in a building and whatever else. But for the early church, the ecclesia, it meant the gathered people belonging to God. The gathered people belonging to God. And, and I do believe that each of these words within this phrase means something important to us as we identify our own place in, uh, as a part of the church and what it means to be um, a, a part of the body of Christ. Now, I'm always hesitant be, to, to speak messages like this because for some of us, um, including myself, uh, we're pretty self-centered. And so we want a message for me that, that speaks to my needs and what I need out of this life and, and how it's going to make me better on the other side of this. And in fact, if I started talking that way from the place of this is how you'll get more money, or this is how you'll be more blessed, or this is how your family will be better, uh, each and every one of us we, will accept that and will receive that and we're on the edge of our seat. Why? Because it's something for us to, um, uh, to, to, to grow and succeed within this life. But as soon as we turn the, the lens around, we go, this is how we succeed and this is how we'll get better. Some of us are checking out immediately and we're like, well, this isn't really for me. And, and the problem with that is, is that we need to get out of our singular views of what it looks like to be a part of the church and understand that there is no way to be a part of the church by yourself. Jesus is not coming back for an individual or individuals. He's coming back for his church. And when we look within scripture, the thing that gets really interesting when we talk about the church and we learn about the church is that there's a very specific identity that Christ gives to his ecclesia, his church. In Romans 12, verse 5, I'll start in verse 4. It says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. That's a tall order. Like for a lot of us, we want to come into church and still have our individuality. Unfortunately, Christ doesn't offer us that opportunity. Paul, speaking to the Romans, says, listen, you belong to one another. What that means is like we must be serving one another. We, we have to submit ourselves in relationship to one another. There is no way to just like jump out and just like be our own person and just try to be a part of the church. There's, there's actually no way to be an individual in the church. We, we, we belong to one another. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, we see it said this way. Now you are the body of Christ, speaking to you, but also the church, to the church in Corinth. He's, he's not writing this letter to an individual. He's writing this letter to the church, the ecclesia, the, the, the gathered people belonging to God. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church a whole group, and now I'm paraphrasing, a whole bunch of giftings to further the mission of Christ. Ephesians 4, chapter 12, says this, or I'll start in verse 11. So Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of, of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I pulled this next, um, ne- this next reading from a book that, uh, that I've been working through called Landmarks by David Campbell, who um, is a professor for uh, a, a new school called CSU, but he also lives in the area, and I had the pleasure of meeting up with him a couple of weeks ago. And I pulled this quote from him. He says this, What he means is that the body, which is the church, is not just the church as a group of people. He's speaking about how Christ addresses the church, but also as Paul describes the church. But it is really part of Christ himself. Catch this. This statement, though familiar to our ears, must have been really amazing to those who first read it. It is very important because it shows that the value of each member is, not determined, is determined not by who they are or what they have in relation to anyone else. The significance and value of each person in the church is determined only in relation to Christ. Christ has placed each member in the body, and this is why the body cannot function properly without each member being healthy and valued. That is why the church as an organization is completely unlike any other human entity. In fact, it is not so much an organization as it is an organism, a network of relationships rooted in the relationship of each member with Christ. Okay, now that's really, for some of us, we're like, oh my gosh, that was like really heady. I can send you the quote if you need it to read it through again. But this is the thing that's really interesting about how Christ describes his church and how we ought to understand ourselves as a part of the church. We are not like metaphorically the body of Christ. Like if we read over and over again when Jesus or Paul addresses the church, over and over again, it says in Christ. So, so in Christ, we may, though many, form one body. Again, in 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are the body of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4. So that the body of Christ may be built up. The fascinating thing about this is our identity as the church, as a body of believers, is actually in the fact that we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head of his church, right? So Christ is the head, and he is not less than his body, but he is more than his body. Does that make sense? So Christ is still distinct from his body. He's still better than the rest of the body. He's still the head of the body. He's still the most important part of the body. He is not less than the body. He is more than the body. But what it is to say is that we as the church are the body of Christ, now, why does this matter, okay? We're, gonna, we're getting somewhere with this message. I'm like trying my best to like distill an entire semester's worth of a course down into one like 10-minute intro so we can get to some things that really do matter for those of us that are like, I just want to know like when my next meal's coming, <laughs> right? The, the reason that this matters is because sometimes when we read through it scripture, we don't understand what Christ is saying. So for instance, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 25. He says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is a part of a story where Jesus is telling a parable and people are, go to heaven and, and, and they're, they're at the gates and they're about to be judged and, and the, the master is there and he says, listen, uh, you, you, you don't know me, depart from me. And then there's a group of people that he accepts and he welcomes them in. And they're having this conversation trying to figure out why is it that I don't know you? And some of them start to argue with, with, with God and they start saying like, God, like we, we did miracles in your name. We, we went to church every Sunday. We, we were part of a local. We, we tithed every single week. We did all of the things that you required for, from us. And he says this, he says, depart 
apart from me, for I never knew you. And then there's this other group that's like, we didn't, we didn't like do anything. Like I sometimes miss church. I, like I, my cell phone would go off in the middle of service. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry. It's, it's just it's low-hanging fruit, you know. All of this, and he says, yeah, 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 but come in because, because I knew you. I knew your name. And what he says in reaction to all this, he says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now it's because of our understanding that we are the body of Christ that this makes sense. Because when I love Nate, who's a part of God's church, I'm, I'm literally loving Christ. Well, when I, when I give you a call when you're going through something difficult, I, I'm literally caring for the body. Of, I'm literally caring for Christ. Elsewhere, if you're like, okay, well, that's one verse might be taken out of context. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10, um, verse 40. Jesus is about to send out 72 disciples. He's raised them up. He's about to send them out. And the fascinating thing about the number 72 that I learned this past week is the Israelites believed, the the Jewish people at the time believed, that there were 72 other nations on on the face of the earth. This is fascinating because they didn't didn't know, right? Like, it's not like us. We just pull up Wikipedia. We're like, how many countries are there? And it's like, well, 195. They didn't have Wikipedia. They're here. They're like, oh, my gosh, a new nation just formed. Not 71. It's now 72. They believed there were 72 nations that existed. So Jesus raising up 72 disciples was already a precursor of his command to go out and make disciples of all the nations. He's like, listen, I'm raising up a disciple for each nation because this message needs to go forth. Now, as he sends them out, he gives them this instruction. He says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet, uh, I'm going I'm to skip that. The, 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 the purpose of this, of this passage is to say, listen, when people welcome you, they're literally welcoming Christ himself. Why? Because the church is the body of Christ. Are you getting the theme here? This is also why in uh, the first um, message of the Resilience series that Emma spoke about Paul um, having this road to Damascus experience with God, and all of a sudden out of heaven it says that, uh, that the voice of God comes and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He, he's saying this to Paul, but of course, like, Paul literally didn't put Christ on the cross, but he was going around and he was persecuting the church and he was putting people to death and he was, he was giving his... his um, his affirmation to the the persecution of many Christians. And this is why God says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Because Saul, in in, in doing all of these things to the church, with the understanding that the, the church is the body of Christ, Saul was actually doing this to Christ himself. All right, why does this matter? Some of you are like, hey, this is great. A little over my head. What does this mean for me in my day-to-day? What does this mean for me when I wake up in the morning and I'm just not sure if we're going to have enough money to pay the car payment this month? Like, what, what, what does this mean for me when I wake up? And yes, my wife is a part of the body of Christ. I understand that. And we're going through so much. I just need more. Like, what does this mean for us? Here's the thing. We all have this deep need for belonging. But honestly, like, we also have this just, like, deeper need for belonging to something that's healthy. Like, at the end of the day, we do see, like, crazy stories. And for some reason, there's some people on staff. Michaela's, like, the, the number one culprit. 
I like watching these like cult documentaries, these documentaries on Netflix that follow these like cult leaders. And um, I wasn't sure if I should take it as the greatest compliment or the, the like the greatest like um, diss. Is that a word that we still use? Um, when Michaela is like, honestly, like we were kind of discussing who would be the best cult leader and we think it would be you. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not leading a cult. Although a Reddit thread this past week would disagree. I hope you're tuning in. You can see we're not a cult. It's, uh, the reality of our situation is that we want to belong and mostly we don't want to belong to something that's unhealthy. And here's the reality of our situation. If we're going to serve this world as, as the church should and, and, and in the way that the church is able to, we have to understand this deep truth. A house divided cannot stand. This is a value of ours as a church. I don't want to speak on our values because I want to bring something fresh, but, but think about this idea. A house divided cannot stand. When we're in relationship with one another, it matters. I remember one time, my dad and I were, were really close with one another, and still are. And dad, uh, he'll be watching this next week. I wonder if you'll remember this. But uh, there was, you know, there was all these times where my dad would be really open with me about things that were happening in our family, our, our extended family, our immediate family. And my dad and I spend a lot of time together because we'd run together. Re- remember, I, I joined cross country so that I could belong to something. And uh, so, you know, running actually became a way to, like, be accepted by my dad. Just kidding, dad. Uh, something I'm still working through. But, um, you know, so I'd run with my dad, and we'd have these extended times together. So we'd run 10 kilometers together, and it would take us you know, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. And we would have this time, and we'd talk, and we'd, we'd discuss things, and we got really close, and, and we got real good at, like, shorthand around things going on in our family and whatever else. And I remember one time, my mom was kind of, like, being a little bit grumpy around the house. Again, sorry, mom. But uh, being a little bit grumpy around the house and whatever else, and my dad made a comment, and he's kind of like, man, like, t- like, take it easy, or you know, something like that, and I'm like, well, me and my dad are, we're buddy buddies, like, we're buddies, like, I can, and so I was like, I'm gonna jump on that, like, yeah, mom, like, you gotta relax, and I looked at dad, I'm like, I'll never forget, this actually, like, happened in the car, I think my dad got in the car, and he was just like, man, like, mom's in a bad, terrible mood, I'm like, yeah, mom needs to relax, and I, I'll never forget, my dad looks over at me, and I, I'll, I'll do it the way, like, he kind of looked at me, he looks over at me, he's like, you never, talk about my wife that way. And I remember being like, even cross country won't accept me. <laughs> but like, he's like, you, you never talk about my wife that way. And all of a sudden, I began to realize like, oh, there is, a, there is something different between me and my dad. Now, I share this because of this reason, is that we need to be very, very, very careful with how we relate to one another. Like, do we understand that what we're talking about when we talk about the gathered group of people belonging to God, that we are talking about not only Christ's body, but we're talking about his bride, right? Like, we're talking about a thing that that matters more than, than anything to God himself. He's not coming back for individuals. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for his bride. And therefore, what we learn within Scripture, whether it's Jesus himself speaking or Paul, that as we bless one another, we bless Christ. But as we curse one another, we curse Christ. A house divided cannot stand. And one of the things that's been on my mind recently It's just the need for all of us to just kind of mature when it comes to our view of what it means to be a part of a church, to be a part of a body, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Now, I'm not going to tell you who I was texting with this week. They'll know who it is. They're in the room. 
So you guys can start guessing. But, uh, you know, these are his, this is his words. This is their words to me. It just chopped it in half. Now you got 50% to work with. He said this to me. He said, been studying Paul's letters quite a bit over the last couple of months. And a thought your message triggered for me, this was last week, was that in none of Paul's letters does he tell people to leave churches. In none of the letters does Paul tell people to leave churches. Now, again, if, if this is a cult, you should leave. Like if, if a church becomes a cult, you should leave. We're not, we're, we're not talking in extremes here. We're talking, we're t- we're talking as, as, as observa- uh, an observation of, of the church that Paul was writing to. In none of Paul's letters does he tell people to leave churches. And these churches were wretched. Amen. Like they were messed up. He exclusively calls people to correct the standards, hold each other accountable, and double down on those churches. Something I've been thinking about a lot as it's become more fashionable for people to critique and leave. I know you know these things already, but also thought I'd share as sometimes it's helpful to hear them again from others. You know, the interesting thing is, is that there have been times within our church where it's been really tempting to speak a message like this because I notice a few families have left or, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, I remember a, a local, it was called a connect group, like an entire connect group just got up and left. I'm like, that's an issue of what was ever happening in there. Like, and you're tempted to speak messages like this. So it's interesting in a season where, quite honestly, more people are sticking with our church than are leaving to speak a message like this. But the reason why it's important to speak messages like this is at some point, you and I have to understand the, the, the value that we hold for one another. Like, do you realize that when you don't show up to your local, something is actually missing? Like a part of the body of Christ is missing in that community that Jesus wants to have a part of it and, and to give your unique gifting in it. Do you realize that, that you're a valued part of not just a local, but a part of the body of Christ? Like, do you realize that, that without your, with your absence, even from gatherings like this, there is something missing in the lobby, and there's somebody that has missed a word that you can bring from God that is unique because of what God's placed in you for an individual that needs it because God has knit together and, va- and put a value on each member of the body of Christ? Well, we have to understand that, that this idea of being a part of the church is not, we're not playing like games here. This is not a community club. This is not like a team where we can show up sometimes and not other. Like, this is the body of Christ. This is the hope of the world. This is the plan that God set out for humanity. We have to be united in what he's calling us to. And one of my fears as a young church is that we'll fail to understand that our 20s where it's, our 20s are definitely, ah, I got to take this back a second. I got to breathe. Just give me a second. Everybody breathes with me. I just realized I am like on another level here and I need to relax because you guys should be relaxed. This is not meant to be like, like, you know, it's not meant to be like that. Maybe in certain seasons, in the middle of COVID, I would have just wanted to do that. Like, ah, like why is everybody so upset? But I'm actually okay. (laughs) So I need to just relax. Everybody here is okay. I'm like preaching to the choir. Like, pastor, we showed up this morning. Like, maybe you should like email this message to some, I have some people that you can email it to Holy smokes, take it easy, dude. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to cry. All right, my notes are done. I'm just going to speak from my heart now. 
and maybe I should, no, I got my, my, my watch on my, clock on my watch. interesting times. And what I, what I mean by this is that we now live in an era where individuals want to find organizations that have caused all of their problems as individuals. And there's a lot of church hurt out there. And, and in fact, we as a church, I, I've personally probably hurt many people that aren't a part of our church. And, and if they ever listen to this, this message, I want you to know I'm sorry. It was unintentional. But I'm watching on the other side of a pandemic. And this is why, like, it's so hard. Like, I want you to know I'm not speaking this message to anybody here in particular. I'm just speaking because one day something else is going to hit our church and we need to hold on to a message like this. But I'm watching on the other side of a pandemic where the church in Canada is, is suffering. The congregations are selling buildings that they've owned for hundreds of years. People have sacrificed for we, we, we have people just leaving the church and it's not like they're going to another church. They're leaving the church and not coming back. And as a pastor, I'm watching this and my heart is breaking as a number of friends of mine are leaving ministry because the churches have dwindled so low that they can no longer be employed there, but they themselves don't even know if they want to be a part of the church. And I'm watching this happen and I'm going, if, if the church is, is God's plan for, for humanity to draw them unto himself, then, then we've got to be more serious about what we're doing here. I'm watching friends that we grew up in youth group together and, and, and I'm thinking of friends that I met when I started dating Emma as a 17 year old. We went to youth group together that aren't prioritizing church and they're, they're, they're trusting on the fumes of their faith that to be enough for their kids to grow up knowing God. And the problem is, is that when we trust that our kids can grow up on the fumes of our faith, they don't go back to church. Like the, the church is not something to be played with. It's not something to just be like, oh, I feel like doing it or I don't feel like doing it. Like this is, this is life. This is, this, is our, this is our hope. This is, this is the body of Christ. This is what it means to be a part of what God is doing. And the problem with that, that I see in the church is often it's not the big things that are dividing the church. It's small, little, stupid things. I don't like what the way that they said that. Or, 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 or I don't like the fact that they wear hoodies on the platform. Or, or I don't like the fact that, that, that they, they, they had a woman preaching. Or I don't like the fact, and, and over and over again, we hear all of these little things that are meant to divide and, and put cracks into the church and, and do all of these things. And the thing that's weighing on me as I, as I continue to pastor in this new world on the other side of COVID, a fairly successful church that's still thriving and doing well as I talk to my friends, is it's just not right. This isn't what Christ wanted for his church. It's not what he wants for you as individuals. He doesn't want you to come into church and, and have to compare yourself to the people around you. He wants you to know that you're valuable simply because you are valuable. Because he purchased you with a price on a cross that, that you don't have to do anything to, to, to show your worth. He's already put worth on your life. We 
We've got church shoppers that just go around and they stir up chaos within the church and they'll show up and they'll be for a little while, but all of a sudden they'll stir up dissension and they'll leave. There's a special judgment for people like that. Where we're headed as a church right now, where we are headed as a church, our church and where we are going needs a group of people to say, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to just like be comfortable. I'm not here to choose whether or not I like the worship here better or whether or not I like a speaker or whether or not I like the people that they put on the platform or whether or not I like the kind of mints that they put at their connect table. Like we need to be a church that chooses something deeper, which is the fact that this church will never be perfect, but we need to band together as brothers and sisters in Christ because there's a hurting world that needs a light shone before them. Jesus prays at the end of like at the end of his life, Jesus is in the garden and he prioritizes praying for his church. He says, Father, may they be one as you and I are one, so that they may know us. He says, by their unity, that they will actually begin to find out who I am. And I'm not preaching this message for today. I'm preaching this message for three years from now when some weird thing happens in our church that is tempted to tear us apart, that we might say, no, we are committed to one another. We love one another. We're gonna walk hand in hand together. The church might not be perfect, but we serve a perfect savior. And we'll be on this journey together, not because of us, because of what he's done. The ecclesia, the gathered together people belonging to God. Can we stand up in this place? We're running out of time. I want to worship. In fact, that's where I want to start. And, uh, you know, sometimes you speak a message and it's written on paper, like, so academically. And then all of a sudden you get to this place and you're sweating and you're like, you go home and honestly, like, after messages like this, I go home and I just feel like I just want to curl up in a fetal position and be like, Mom, bring me some sour worms. Let's go to the Leafs game. It's because I don't like being this vulnerable in front of a crowd of people. You guys don't like being open with like one other person. I don't like being open with 600 people across the day. But I am so passionate about the fact that we start to find our identity as the body of Christ, not as members of a church, not as people that go and gather together one hour, but people that are looking to bless one another, people that are looking to contribute to one another, people that are looking for needs in our community and going, how can we meet that, rather than seeing problems and going, how do I avoid that? How do we gather together and be the church? That's what this society needs, a church united, because a house divided cannot stand. Can we just begin to sing? We don't even have some of our vocalists up here. We're going to pray in just a moment. But church, why don't we just take some moment to worship, to spend some time together, having our hearts unified and our spirits unified by the Holy Spirit. Let's begin to sing.
coming, we're not walking, we're running. God, we need to surrender, so we surrender. As we get ready to pray, you know, one thing I want to make um, abundantly clear for all of us in the room is uh, if you happen to leave Slate Church for some reason in the future, just know that you are never an enemy of our church and you are always welcome back. This is not the type of message that's meant to galvanize a church to hate those who leaves. That would be a cult. You have permission to leave at any point. But I also want to speak to those that may have come from any one of the number of beautiful churches in this city, whether it be Creekside or C3 or Waterloo Pentecostal or the Mennonite churches. There's so many of them. Koinonia. And you left them because you didn't like something there. I want to let you know that it is only a matter of time before you find something here that you really don't like. And it might be this message. And it's probably time for you to mature in your faith and realize that church is not meant to be a buffet where you just choose what you like and throw out what you don't like. Church is meant to be accepted as is, working together to be perfected in the image of Christ. We're a bunch of imperfect people trying to serve a a, a perfect God. And maybe you came in here today and you're like, man, that's not what I expected. What I want us to do this week is two things. One, if you have a critical spirit about you that just likes to complain about every single thing that you don't like, can I just, can I encourage you to just take a look at your personality and and maybe just, maybe just like give that up for a little while. Stop complaining. And secondly, can we look for opportunities to serve? There are families in need all over our church. And in Acts, when it says that they sold everything they had and they gave to those in need, and then it says that God added to their number daily those who are being saved, that's because of their love for one another. It's because of what they said to the world. It's because there was such unity in the church. Can we look to one another's needs? And I want to make a comment because I was going to make it earlier. When, we, when Jesus says, um, what you um, did for the least, of these, the, the least of these, you did for me, he's talking about his church. And so while it is absolutely important that our locals, which we have been doing, we're serving a better tent city in. Um, we're leading a Bible study at one point for one roof. I just like came across that. Like we're doing a lot in the community. Let's be clear that God wants us to serve one another as much as we have a desire to serve the world. It's not in serving the world that people are going to know that Jesus is God. It's actually in serving one another that people begin to understand who Jesus is. So if you're here today and maybe you're just like, man, this sense of, like, I want to belong to something bigger than myself. In fact, I want to surrender to Jesus. If you're here today, I just want to give an opportunity for that. Listen, we, it is much bigger than a moment, but sometimes we need moments because we are thinking about lunch or we're thinking about something else to just to come to terms with what God's up to. So if you're here today with every eye closed and you're just going, man, like, how do I be a part of God's church? Because the truth is, is that just showing up to a building actually doesn't make you a part of God's church. You have to decide for yourself to follow Jesus. 
And in Romans, it says, whoever believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. So if you're here today, it's as easy as accepting that Jesus paid that price on the cross and trusting in him and believing in him and surrendering your life for his. And you get to be a part of the family of God. It's as easy as that. You get to walk into this place that should be so passionate about loving one another, caring for one another, this place of unity and peace. And so if you're here today and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, with every eye closed, I'm not going to point anybody out, but if that's you, could you just, just raise a hand wherever you find yourself and say, hey, today I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. Conclude me in this prayer as we close. If that's you, could you just raise a hand? These lights are so bright today, I can't even see if you're raising your hand. So let's just pray just in case someone is. <laughs> Jesus, I pray for those that in this room that might be making this decision, that you would show them that a decision to join your family is the best decision they can make. That they are in a family, a band of brothers and sisters that are able to walk alongside them, encourage them in the ways of the Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would come alongside them and that your Holy Spirit would guide them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, I already gave the next steps coming out of this room. And uh, maybe it's something for me, but let's complain less and serve more this week and all the weeks to come. We're part of a beautiful thing. And before crap hits the fan at some point, let's just commit to being, a, being in, a, in loving relationship with one another and committed unity. Um, have a great week. Let's file out of here fairly quickly um, as the next service is gonna come in. See you next week, church. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.